today of the message, the acts of Yeshua's emissaries, the Shelachim, the call out ones, chapter 20. Acts of Yeshua's emissaries, the Shelachim, the called out ones, the sent ones, Acts chapter 20. And today we're going to be now beginning at verse number eight. Acts 20, verse 8. Alan Niebuhr, Niebuhr gave an excellent Torah reading and commentary about the difference between a Nazar, a Nazarite, or a Nazarene. Read that scripture portion there. It was Numbers, the Midbar chapter, 6 verses 1 through 21. Gives clarifications of both men and women who could voluntarily separate themselves for a season to be fully dedicated to the work as a vessel set apart for God. It was excellent. And so today, as we start this portion of scripture, we'll notice that Adonai, through the power of the Ruach HaKodesh, the Spirit of the living God, empowered these men who were ordained by God to write out the Brit Hadashah and give revelation. Just as he sent the prophets in the Tanakh for that book to be sealed. Now the Brit Hadashah is in the process of being written at the time of Acts chapter 20, verse 8. And what were signs and miracles that followed these who were to, to be those who were to be the foundation of the Brit Hadashah, but the apostles. Rav Shaul was a set one, an apostle. And we see today that confirmation of the words that he spoke that were taken from the Tanakh in new words given by the Ruach HaKodesh, the Spirit of the Living God. He's now on his third, finishing up his third journey. He's on the way back to Jerusalem, hopefully in time to celebrate what? Shavuot Pentecost. But on his way back, he's stopping by these home congregations and these Messianic synagogues. And he's breathing strength and life and encouragement because he knows this now. This is his last journey. He will not have a fourth journey. And that he raised up these elders within these Messianic communities, both Jews and Gentiles, one in Messiah, being, being woven together. And so here we are in this journey with Rav Shaul. So let's begin in Acts chapter 20, verse 8. Now there were many lamps, oil lamps burning in the upstairs room where they were meeting. See, where they were called together. Can you imagine word went out? Rav Shaul's in town today. He's on his way to Jerusalem, Jerusalem, to celebrate Shavuot, as we know it today in the English Pentecost. But he's here to speak. 
all of you who desire to hear. And can you imagine this? There may have been some that came there with them that were on the borderline of receiving Messiah. And so who was in these assemblies here? Both Jews who put their trust in Messiah, God-fearers who were Gentiles, who came and put their trust in Messiah Yeshua, and others. So he's preparing to speak to all of them. Let's go forward here. And there was a young fellow named Eutychus sitting on the windowsill. As Shaul's drash, that is drashot, his teaching, his sermon, his words of encouragement were, went on and on. Have you ever been with family members? Maybe they're from another country and you haven't seen them for years and they have to travel back to their country. Don't you try to be with them every moment to hear what they say and what you're sharing? And so now he's pouring out his love and grace and mercy because these were people he'd spent a long time with. And you know who else is in, the, in this group? There are those young men that he rose up. Timothy's there and others are there. And soon he knows this, he'll be passing the baton unto them. And those elders in these Messianic congregations, he's passing the baton over to them. Because he knows that his, his life is coming to an end in the near future. And what is the body of Messiah to be about today? Making Talmudim, disciples, pouring your life in others, encouraging one another, praying for one another, putting one another first, building up one another in holy living, community fellowship. In this past year plus, we've had a very, very unique way of fellowshipping, have we not? On our phones emails, on Zoom, various devices. Well, Rav Shaul did not have that as an opportunity. They did have letters. And so we have a recording of what took place at this time. Let's go forward here. I'll continue back in verse 9. And there was a young fellow named Eutychus sitting on the windowsill. And Shaul's drash, his drashot, went on and on. Eutychus grew sleepier and sleepier. Have any of you ever fallen asleep <laughs> in a service? Or when someone's been preaching on and on and on for hours? We can all say that most likely we either dozed off or we've actually gone to sleep. Until... He finally went sound asleep, and he fell from the third story to the ground. When they picked him up, he was dead. Now, does the scripture, is it true? Have we not learned to trust when it says a certain thing is a certain way? It is exactly. Because notice this, the, the individual who is Luke, who is writing this historical record to an individual his, whose name is Theophilus. Both the book of Luke 
and the book of Acts were written to someone of importance, someone of influence, of a community. You know, one day, you and I most likely will meet Theophilus in heaven. And we'll say, so you're Theophilus. Okay. We'll actually even meet Eutychus. So these people who are now resting in their graves, one day they will be raised from the dead, and you and I will be spending throughout all eternity. You know what's really another amazing here? We will have relatives that you and I have never met before who have put their trust and faith in Messiah, and we will see them and be with them throughout all eternity. Can you imagine the stories we're going to share with one another? Blessed be the name of the Lord. Let's get back to the scripture. Sometimes I go on these bunny trails just as, as encouragement. Verse 10, but Shaul went down and he threw himself onto him and he put his arms around him. Earlier, Alan shared our elder about a Nazar or a Nazarite vow. One of the things, the requirements was that if their father or mother died or a close relative, they were not to be anywhere near them because they were separate and holy unto the Lord. So if Rob Shaul, the apostle Paul, at this time and season of his life, if he had already decided to do this vow, he would then uh, cause himself to be disqualified for his vow voluntarily. See, because when you and I make a vow unto the Lord, God takes it. Abba, Father, God takes it very, very serious. And so should we. Let's go forward here. Verse 10, but Shaul went down, the apostle Paul, threw himself unto him. And put his arms around him and said, don't be upset. He is alive. Notice this. Was this just him showing off? No. The spirit of the living God equipped him with the ability, the miraculous gift of raising someone from the dead. Well, how can you say that, Rabbi Frank? Because verse 9 says at the very end. That Eutychus was what? He was dead. So what do we have before us? A miracle. A confirmation miracle of someone given the ability to raise someone from the dead. As a sign both to that individual that was raised from the dead and all of those that were there and all those who would hear this story and us today that God established his miracle works of power through these true apostles who laid the foundation stones of the Brit Hadashah. If we would look in the Tanakh, we would, we would see of another individual, Eliyahu, who's, who, uh, who would go by this house from time to time. And one day, the, uh, the one wife, of this husband said, hey, you know what? We should prepare that upper part of our, of our home. Let's make a room for this holy man of God. 
So when he comes traveling through our area and he's tired and there's stairs, he can just go up the stairs, go into his room. We'll, we'll put a cot in there. I'll make sure there's a fresh basin of water, possibly some new, uh, new challah bread or, or some other provisions for him. And that way he can be undisturbed and he can come and go. And I know the Lord will put a blessing on her house. That woman was barren. Later, she had a child. Later, that child and the mother were working in the field. It was very, very hot. And the boy died. And so what did the mother do? She scooped up the child in her arms, and they laid that child upon the cot. And she put her trust to the Lord. Fast forward in the story. Eliyahu, the prophet king, what did he do? He stretched himself over the child. Time and a time and a time. And then the child's body became warm. And the child opened its eyes. And the holy prophet of God then gave the child back to his mother. So here we see confirmation in the Tanakh of someone who was a foundation stone builder, a prophet of the God Most High. Now we fast forward here. Yeshua raised individuals from the dead and also did Kepha. But let's get back to the scripture here. Blessed in the name of the Lord. Verse 10, but Shaul went down and threw himself onto him and put his arms around him and said, don't be upset. He is alive. Verse number 11, then he went back upstairs and broke bread and ate. See, breaking of bread is a Jewish tradition that was handed to the nations, those who were grafted in. If you put your trust and faith in Yeshua Messiah, you were, quote, equal. And we could all eat from the same supper table together. The breaking of bread. Let's go forward here. He continued talking with them until daylight. Then he left. Whoa. Would you be able to stay up as late as that to hear him? And can you imagine this? The book of Acts doesn't record to us exactly what he said. One day in heaven, since you know what? Time is eternal. I want to sit in the group of people who are sitting with Rav Shaul. Because I really believe this. All these books in the Bible, there's going to be further detail given to us from those who live and experience all these things. And then I'll be able to hear that full message. And I'll have the strength to keep my eyes open and my brain alert to hear everything what he shared at that time. So let us go forward here. Then he went up back upstairs and broke the bread and ate. He continued talking with them until daylight. Then he left. So greatly relieved, they brought the boy home alive. Can you imagine that? Here you are, because it doesn't tell us how old Eutychus is, okay? 
So anyway, one of the other men, most likely, may have invited Eutychus to come and to hear Rav Shaul speak. Maybe Eutychus uh, had heard him speak at other times. But whoever brought him there was responsible to bring him back home alive. You imagine if they would have showed up and said, a tragedy happened. The apostle Paul, Rashua was there. He spoke and he kept talking and talking. And we were so engrossed in what he was saying that we didn't even notice that Eutychus had fallen. And then here he is, we're sorry. But God did a miracle. And think about Eutychus' testimony in that community and how the word went out that this good news does not just save you for eternity, future, and now, but God has empowered these men to proclaim the good news with signs and wonders following them that nobody else in the world had the opportunity or the capability to do. Let's go forward here. Verse 13. We went on ahead to a ship and set sail for Azos. Can you find that on your map? Azos. That's why maps are important. See, the uh, proof and the evidence of this Eutychus being raised from the dead. Have you noticed? No one's written a book that said this was a false miracle. And that these places, Azos and other places, actually existed. To give us proof. These are real people, real situations. This was a real death. This was a real miracle. And this is for us to confirm in our hearts that God's word is true. Let's go forward here. Verse 13. When we went on ahead to the ship and set, set sail for Azos, where we were planning to take Shaul aboard, he had arranged this because he wanted to go there by land. After he met us at Azos, we took him abroad and went to Mit Mitlin. Can you find that place on your map? Going forward, verse 15. The next day, we sailed from there and arrived at Chiros. Can you find Chiros on your map? If you can find the Aegean Sea, where is between Greece and present-day Turkey, you will find the island of Chiros. Now going forward, the following day after that, we reached Miletus. Now you can find Miletus. You notice that is, is in the area which is present day Turkey. Now let us go forward here, verse 16. For Shaul, the Apostle Paul had decided to bypass Ephesus on his voyage in order to avoid losing time in the providence of Asia. 
because he was hurrying to get to Jerusalem, Jerusalem, if possible, in time to celebrate what? Shavuot Pentecost. What did we do last week? We celebrated Shavuot, the wheat harvest, the day of Pentecost, the day that God gave the Ten Commandments to his people on Mount Sinai. Fast forward, Acts chapter 2, verse 4. The 120 Jewish men and women who were gathered together, they were waiting to receive the outpouring of the Ruach HaKodesh. Not to be upon them, but to be dwelling within them. Very, very important time and period. So, now let us go a little bit deeper here. Blessed be the name of the Lord. So now I would like for you to turn with me to 1 Corinthians chapter 16. 1 Corinthians chapter 16. And we'll be looking at verse 8 and 9. 1 Corinthians chapter 16, verses 8 and 9. But I will remain in Ephesus until Shavuot. This is another time. Not the present time in Acts chapter 20. I will remain in Ephesus until Shavuot because a great and important door has opened for my work. And there are many people now opposing me. So you see here, there were times when Rav Shaul, who would love to have been in Jerusalem during the celebration of Shavuot, listened to the Spirit of living God, which told him, you must remain in Ephesus, because now I've opened up a door for you to go through to proclaim the good news to the Jew first and to all the nations. See, there were times when Rashaul was on these missionary journeys, one, two, and three, where he desired to go to some area, some town or some village, but the spirit of the living God closed the door to him. This is very important for us to hear right now, not because I'm saying these words, but right now, in the life and the conditions that you and I live, the Lord is shutting doors by the power of the Ruach HaKodesh, and he's opening up other doors of opportunity. We must be in tune, listening to the spirit of the living God. For when he closes a door, we're not to be dismayed and think that we're forsaken by God that the spirit of the living God that dwells within us has now just taken off from us. That's a lie from the pit of hell. Because once you're filled with the spirit of the living God, he dwells within you. He leads you into all truth. He confirms God's word to you. He empowers you and equips you and gives you everything you need to accomplish the will of the Father. And so if the spirit of living God closes the door to you, we are simply to wait in his presence, listening and seeking. 
until he opens up a door for us to walk through. We're to pray in the spirit, be filled with the spirit, and hear the spirit, spirit's voice. Because Yeshua said prior to Shavuot, Pentecost, that he was going to breathe his spirit. He said, I have to ascend to a father. Why? So that he can come. Who's that he? But the Ruach HaKodesh, the spirit of the living God, can dwell within all true believers. See, in the Tanakh, the Ruach HaKodesh would come upon people from time to time, but then he would leave. As Shavuot in Acts chapter 2, verse 4 came about, the spirit of the living God dwelled within an individual. Who keeps and encourages us, us to be holy? It's not your conscience. It's not your carnal nature. But it is the spirit of the living God. And just as we've been following Rav Shaul, the Apostle Paul, and Kepha, Peter, and all these other individuals in the book of Acts, we are to do likewise today. Being men and women who read and study God's holy word, whichever the spirit of living God tells you whatever translation or translations you are to read from, he confirms it in our hearts and minds, and then he gives us full revelation of what you and I are to be doing. Because we, our lives are no longer our own. They're hidden in Messiah. And he's living out his life in us. He's not setting aside our personality at all, but he's living his life in and through us so that we would do everything which is pleasing to God the Father. Blessed be the name of the Lord. So Shabbat weeks, Shaul's desire to hurry to Jerusalem for Shabbat shows that as a Messianic Jew, Shaul remained devoted to the Torah. And to the Jewish practice. We can also see that from the fact that on other occasions he felt he had to justify a decision to remain in Ephesus and not to go up to Jerusalem. We just read that earlier here in 1 Corinthians chapter 16, verses 8 and 9. Now let us go forward to verse 17. But he did send Miletus to Ephesus, summoning the elders of the Messian community. Did you notice that word, elders? He did not summon the apostles or the prophets of that congregation, but the elders. What was the work that Rav Shaul, the apostle Paul, and Kepha were doing. They were going out, starting Messianic communities, and then the Spirit of the living God would show to them, reveal to them who had godly character as this individual would receive 
Yeshua as their Messiah. They would be filled with the Ruach HaKodesh, the Spirit of the Living God. And then the Ruach, the Spirit, would confirm who these elders were. And they were not to go by appearance, by stature, by wealth, or by intellect. This, as Samuel went, because God desired to anoint a new king over the land of Israel. And Samuel was sent to Jesse's house, and all of Jesse's sons were brought, and they walked before Samuel. And Samuel, who is the man being led by the Spirit, a Nazarite from birth, knew and heard the Spirit of the living God. And he knew this, the anointing that was over King Saul as king, the Spirit had departed from him. And what does the scripture say? The Samuel turned to Jesse and said, are these all your sons? No, there is one, but he's out with the sheep. And so he was brought, and the Spirit of the living God confirmed that this one son, who is David, the least of all his brothers, was going to be chosen as the king of Israel. And you know what's amazing? That David, while he was out in those pasture lands, fighting the bears and the wolves and the lions, who wanted to destroy the, the flock, which represents the flock of God, he would put his life in between the flock and those enemies of the adversary who were there to destroy the sheep. So this was a man after God's own heart. So Rav Shaul, as he's going from town to town, and all the other apostles, who were they in search of? Men and also women within these congregations that were yet to be birthed who had received Messiah, who the Spirit of the living God dwelled in. And what did they do? They trained. They spent time with them. Day after day after day. Sometimes a few weeks. And then the Lord removed them on. They raised up elders within these congregations to serve and to, to go out and make disciples. That's why it was important for us to stop right here in verse number 17. This is the scripture pattern. We don't see people going out to and fro today in search of prophets and apostles. As it was established here to raise up elders within the congregation. Do people have prophetic ministries? Absolutely. But the prophets of today are not the same in the requirements of them being true prophets of God are not the same requirements of the prophets of God in the Tanakh. Otherwise, today, you and I 
when a prophet who claims to be a prophet of the God Most High and says something and it does not come to pass, what are we instructed to do according to the Tanakh? To stone those prophets. Now, I know this is going to really shake a lot of people's foundations. But that's the word of God. And so anyone that speaks a prophecy today, what are we to search? The scriptures. And we also have this Ruach HaKodesh. Because Rashaul is going to be warning them at the end of chapter 20 here that there will become these false teachers. And people will say all kinds of things. And at the end of this chapter, he's saying, I plead with you in tears that there will be ravenous wolves coming among you. And you know what this is? You know what a, a true sign of a false prophet is? Not only the words that they say that do not come to pass, but their whole focus is on themselves. Greed. Being, receiving the praises of men. When I read about the prophets in the Tanakh, they suffered greatly. They were to proclaim the word of God. They were put to death for the word of God that they spoke. And they feared the Lord. As for these apostles, we see in the Brit Hadeshah, we see they were persecuted and hunted. They, were, they poured out their lives. They built up other people. They weren't asking you to send money for their own benefit. We read in all of scripture in the, in the Brit Hadashah of them owning mansions or ships or carts. No. Their focus was on proclaiming the good news. And at times, some of them, like the Apostle Paul, worked through the whole week, paid for his own clothing, his food, and then went and proclaimed the good news. And you know what? He not only provided for himself, but those young men that he brought beside him, he worked in the marketplace. Remember, he was a tent maker, a tallit maker. And so he would not be a burden on those that he proclaimed the good news to. And so he was supporting not only himself, but also those, Timothy and Luke, Barnabas, Barnabas, all these individuals. Some people now are focused on false prophets and false apostles today. We're building a kingdom unto themselves. And one day they're going to have to give an account on how they misled God's people. I can't say this any clearer than that. God will judge them. 
but we are to know God's word as never before. Because what did Yeshua say? In the last days, you will see false messiahs, false lying wonders and miracles to the point that they can even deceive the chosen of God. Those words are not light. We are to take these words to our hearts for us to walk in truth in these days. Because Hasatan, what does he want to do? He wants us to walk in deception. How do we know what is God's true word? Are we not given up? Instruction in scripture for every word spoken. What did the Bereans do? They, they searched the Tanakh to see if these things that Rav Shaul, even though there were signs, there were wonders, there were people being raised from the dead. But that wasn't sufficient. What did the Tanakh teach? Was Rav Shaul building upon and confirming what the prophets in the Tanakh wrote. See, because the Brit Hadishah had not been written yet. So what was the scriptures that they were pouring over? Memorizing, because nobody had a scroll, a full Torah scroll in their homes. It was in the synagogue. But we are more blessed than all people. You think that you're poor? How many Bibles do you own? In various translations. We are so blessed. We're so equipped. We have all these electronics. You know what's amazing? They're, they're, they're taking different types of uh, censuses. They'll ask people to stand up in a congregation. Show me your Bibles. You know, most of them are, are electronically. What will happen when these things crash? What will happen when these Bibles are taken away from you? Where's the word of God to be? Hidden in our hearts. Blessed be the name of the Lord. It's time to end this message. The Lord just gave me a word of exhortation to share with everyone. To encourage us. To be focused on God's word. To hear what the spirit of the living God is saying. Because there are a lot of voices out there. Who can you trust? The spirit of the living God. Because you know this. You know that inner still voice of the spirit of the living God. You know God's word that is true. Because one day you and I are going to have to give an account. Of how we have lived our lives with this written word. That's not a, a thing of fear. This is a thing of encouragement. God's holy word. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Shabbat shalom.